Welcome everybody to the Schick Show. I am here with uh, a special guest and someone I have known for quite a while, uh, 30 plus years. I won't throw names or ages around just yet, but uh, she was my locker neighbor uh, in high school and that's how we got to know each other. And when when you have, you know, S-C-H as your last name, you know, beginning your last name, you know, it's kind of interesting when someone else comes along that has an S-C-H. Uh, Actually, I'm S-H. You are S-H. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. So, when when you have someone near you uh, as your locker buddy for four years, uh, you feel kind of trapped. I'll be honest. I felt really trapped being near uh, <laughs> near her for four years. And uh, I have Lisa Felver with me. And uh, Lisa, I- I'm so excited to have you when you reached out to me, um, this is exactly what I had hoped my show would become was just real people talking about real life, right. just the whole life experience. So, uh, I don't want to put too much in it and uh, just everybody in your car, wherever you're at, don't take both hands off the wheels. I got to be responsible <laughs> in that way, but give her, give her a round of applause. If you got a <laughs> pat on your steering wheel, whatever it is, but, uh, Lisa's here, Lisa reached out to me and, uh, she's got through some stuff and, and I want her to share her story and, um, you know, just give us some, I don't know, just give us some real raw, uh, life advice, if nothing else. And for her to share her story and hopefully it'll, it'll touch some of you out there that are going through, um, you know, hopefully, well, at some hopefully point, nobody has to be faced with this, but when you are, it's great to have yeah. someone that can explain it to you. So Lisa lost her husband uh, a couple years ago. It's been a year and a half. It'll be two years in November. And here's what's interesting. Uh, She was my locker buddy, but David was my neighbor growing up. Wow, I never knew that. So we, uh, I grew up on Chestnut Street about a block away, and we would play baseball out in the front yard of their house. He talked about wiffle ball. Yeah, and we would catch bees with our bare hands and put them in jars. I, I blame him for me being allergic to bee stings. Uh, because of the number of times we would have been stung catching bees <laughs> in the front yard, uh, but they uh, they were always so inviting and let us you know all the neighborhood kids were down there in the yard playing wiffle ball and catching bees and playing tag and you name it we were doing it. So. I always love hearing new stories about his childhood because I mean he shared a lot, but it's fun to hear about the bees. <laughs> well, you know that's that's the other part too is um, I I thought about how. I've lost so many stories from my mom and my dad of them not being here. I can't tell their story for them. And uh, one of my biggest things is I want to be able to to share my story. But for me to just sit down and share my story, you know, my life on some weird, you know, me just sitting in here alone talking about how my life. And in 1977, when I was... Oh, gosh. Are we really that old? (laughs) I might be. I'm uh, not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what we're here for. So, Lisa, you reached out to me and and uh, wanted to share about the loss of your husband. And and uh, I agree. I think that is uh, sharing your story is going to be a huge impact for those who are either going through the same or may face something similar right. in their life. And um, loss is hard to deal with. Right. Everybody deals with it a little bit differently. Right. Uh, and I, I grieve the loss of my parents both very differently. Um, 
And that's very different. From I think a grieving a parent is very different than a spouse. hundred percent. And it's different yeah. than a, a, um, a sibling or even a friend. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, each person's gonna gonna face that in a different way, right. but I'm I'm so glad you reached out to me to share your experience. So, um, well, I tell you, Scott, I was a little apprehensive because I am such a private person and I don't really like to air things out on you know people to know my business. But if I would have had someone that could have explained things to me and kind of took me by the hand and showed me, I think it would have been life changing for me. Yeah. So that's why I kind of leaned into it. Yeah. So. How long were you guys married? Well, let's stop. I want to go back even oh. further. I want to <laughs> okay. go back further. Okay. How, how did you guys meet? Oh, my God. Tell us, tell us about okay. how that all came. Let's, let's Are really you a go. Fan? You're, you're a music fan. Love so music. you Absolutely. can understand. David had a love for the doors. I was shocked by that. What? <laughs> <laughs> so um, have you heard the song Queen of the Highway? Oh, yeah. Okay. So back in our era, I know this isn't a thing now, but... People love to cruise. Absolutely. You know, $5 in the gas tank gets you all night long because gas was under a dollar a gallon. So um, I cruised all the time. Me and Christy Donahoe cruised all the time. Well, anyways, one night we pulled into where Subway is now. It used to be KFC. Yeah. We pulled in there. It was shut down. There was cars parked. People always just kind of parked and hung out. He was sitting in um, one of the cars over there. And me and Christy, we were just looking to get some alcohol. We were underage. And I was like, what about him? What about him? You think he could get us some like peach schnapps or something, you know? And she's like, oh, that's just David. Because he was friends with her brother, Mike. Yeah. Which is weird because him and Mike were good friends. And me and Christy were good friends, but we never met each other. Yeah. Well, anyway, she goes over and asks him. He says, well, the only way I'll get it for you is if you spend the evening with me, drinking it with me. And I'm like, all right, smooth talker. <laughs> so <laughs> we end up spending the evening and um, just getting to know each other and talking all night long. He wanted to take me breakfast the next morning, but I was like, eh, I better go home. I'd already told my mom I was at Christy's house for the night and I didn't need to stretch the truth too much. So that's kind of how we met. And he always kind of called me the queen of the highway because I loved cruise. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. That's awesome. So that was the beginnings. Uh, Were you both in high school at the time? Actually, he was one year ahead of us. Yeah. yeah, we had to have both been. Well, no, I think we were. Yeah, maybe we were. Because I think I met him when I was 17 or 18. Okay. I'm going to say, it seems like KFC uh, Subway moved in right around mm-hmm. a year or so after we graduated from high school. It's weird, ain't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in those lots, you know. There uh, and Bummies. Did you go up to Bluffton? I never went up no, to Bluffton. No, not Bummies. Um, what's it called A-W, down there by Mason's? Mason's. Mason's. Yeah, oh, yeah. Spent a lot of time down there at yeah. Mason's. Man, cruising. Kids, we, Jennifer and I were just talking about cruising the other day. Kids don't cruise now. I know. You know. I mean, to communicate, they text. Of course, it's a lot more expensive to do it now. Well, absolutely. I uh, mean, five I had, bucks wouldn't get you very far. It is not getting you anywhere. I had a 72 Cadillac Sedan DeVille. It was a brown one, four-door, and we had a CB in it. And my, my CB handle was the welfare wagon. Oh, my gosh. We would cruise all over the place, and we would play CB tag. So me and Trista Arnold, Trista Kikingdahl, mm-hmm. we would play, uh, we'd play CB tag, and we would just give little clues about where we're at, you know. Ooh, I hit a home run. Oh, you must be either at the Little League or the Babe Ruth, right? right? I mean, so fun things like that. So you guys meet. Uh, we meet there. He asks me to go on a date. I tell him, sure, why not? And then his truck breaks down, so he doesn't take me. He calls me and is like, I'm so sorry, my truck broke down. I'm like, if you don't want to go out, that's fine, dude. We don't got to do this. <laughs> Ended up 
dating one of his other friends for a few weeks and he's like oh my gosh i can't believe i lost you because of you know we ended up meeting back up and the rest is history yeah so how long were you guys uh, so i don't want to so we dated for five years okay um we moved in together pretty quickly after dating i think we were like 18 or 19 when we moved in together okay and um we had our first child when he was 23 and i was 20 or around that time frame. And then we had our second child when I was 23 and he was like 25. But in the midst of that, we got married. So we dated for five years and then we were married for 24 and a half. Wow. So 29 and a half years. Nice. So, um, and let me, I absolutely love David. <laughs> I know he's a character. <laughs> he such, such an awesome guy. Uh, and just an, he was he would be someone that would be sitting in my chair uh, on a regular basis. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. Can you what he would imagine say? the the fun <laughs> stories we could share there. Um, so 24, 24 and a half years. Yep, I was and, bummed because I didn't get that twenty fifth. Oh, man, <laughs> we can blame it on him, right? You know, it's on <laughs> it's on him. So tell us about how um, tell us about the events leading up to his death and. It, was this something that was out of the blue? Was it something that you were aware of? You know, help us sure. out there. Um, David always, like I was sharing with you before we started on air here, um, he kind of always jokingly would say that he would be the first one to go. And I just really kind of blew him off because when you're 30, 40, you don't really mm -hmm. think about losing your spouse, even, you know. So leading up to it, he was having like, I don't want to say he was having like chest pains or anything like that because he would just get real lethargic closer to the evening and then he would go to bed and get up the next day and go right at it again. Mm -hmm. um, I guess he shared with my brother, which or my mom one, I can't remember, that he was feeling some kind of weird stuff, but he never shared it with me. And then um, the day of the happening, I had gotten up that morning and uh, I had to be in Avon that morning at 8 a.m. So I left my house at six. He wasn't awake yet and I never woke him and I never, you know, bothered with him. I just let him rest. I got up and went to work and was working. I work um, in optometry. So I was working with one of the doctors. We were taking care of some residents at a nursing home in Avon. And David had to be in Kokomo to finish up a, a job for a resident over in Kokomo, Greentown area, somewhere in there. Well, anyways, um, halfway through the day, I get a phone call from David or his phone. And, um, he never really called me when I was at work. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what, doc, I'm going to take this call real quick. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So I stepped outside the room and took the call and it was his buddy that he works with. And he was like, Hey, Lisa, um, I'm like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, not thinking anything of it still. Absolutely. And he's like, um, David went down and we don't know what's going on, but I wanted to let you know that the EMTs are working on him now. And I'm like, what do you mean he went down? He's like, he just collapsed and I can't get him to wake up and it doesn't look good. And I don't know what's going on. He's just like talking a million miles a minute. I'm like, okay, um, do I need to leave? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Like I'm still kind of just like later on looking back at it, I realized that I was in shock because I really couldn't rationally think. Mm -hmm. um, obviously somebody that's not going through it can look at it and say, well, duh, you know, Sure. but um so I was like, okay. So I turned around to the doctor and I kind of gave him the briefing and said, I got to go. Left all the equipment sitting there and ran out the door. Um, 
the facilities that we go into are secure for a lot of patients that are in there, like have Alzheimer's or dementia. So they're locked and secured so that people can't just freely go in and out the doors. And I remember running to the front door and just banging on the door. And the lady at the front desk was like, calm down. I'm hitting the code. And I'm like, let me out now. Like, get me out of this building. I ran out of the building, got in my car, started driving towards um, Kokomo area. Greentown is where he was at. So I was driving towards there. Um, On the way, I called just a couple of people because I didn't want to, like I said, I don't really like to air my laundry. And I also don't like to put people in panic mode if they don't need to be in panic mode. Like, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. Let's just be real about it. So I called um, my mom and dad. And just told him, you know, hey, he went down. They're working on him. I'll let you know more when I know more. And they're like, okay. And then I called his mom, told her the same thing. And then I called his sister, told her. And then I tried to reach out to my son-in-law because my daughter is hypochondriac. She freaks out so easily about every little thing. So I was like, I want him to be with her mm-hmm. when I tell her because I don't want her to just freak out. So I tried reaching out to him two or three times. He had his phone in his desk drawer. He was away from his office. And I finally just reached out and called her and told her, you know, your dad went down. They're working on him, but I don't know anything right now. And she's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? She's like asking me all these questions. I don't have answers to. So I'm just like, okay. And then um, I ended up hanging up with her. She went to call her husband. She got a hold of him. They were on their way there. I called my son and remember my son was a little bit angry with his dad when everything happened. Mm-hmm. So I called my son and he's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to leave or what do you want me to do? What do you expect me to do? And I said, I am making you aware. You get to make the choice. You get to do what you want to do. If you want to be there, fine. If you don't want to be there, fine. You're the one that gets to make your own choices. I'm going to be there. If you want to show up, show up. So I get to the hospital because they called me later and told me that they were transporting him to Kokomo Hospital. Actually, where he collapsed at was about two blocks from the fire station. So um, he had three ambulances and two fire department or two Mm -hmm. fire trucks that showed up to respond to his situation. Um, I get to the um, I was just letting you know, he's like had a lot of resources there. Yeah. So um, I get to the hospital. I go in the wrong door. His buddy meets me outside the door and he's like handed me his phone and his every all of his like personal effects, you know, that he had. And I'm like, I don't really care about all that stuff right now. I run around the other side, go in the emergency room and I go up to the window and the lady has his driver's license and his insurance card laying on the desk and she's typing away, you know. And I she opens the window. She's like, can I help you? And I said, that's my husband. And I pointed at his license and she was like, "Okay." do you know his social security number? And I said, yeah, but can this wait? Like, I want to, I want to be with my husband right now. I'll get you all the information you need in a minute. And she's like, let me go get someone. And so she's all nonchalant, shuts the window, walks mm-hmm. away. I'm standing there, which feels like forever. It was probably only a couple minutes, but it felt like a long time. And this gentleman comes out the door and he walks up to me and he's got a clipboard and a couple other little papers on his clipboard, you know, and he looks like he doesn't work at the hospital. I later found out that he was the pastor. Okay. He says, follow me. Let's go in this little room. So we go back to this little room back in the back and he sets me down and he's like, I start asking him questions. I'm like, when are you going to take me to my husband? Like what's going on? And he's like, I'm here. If you need anything, do you need a mint? Would you like some water? And I'm like, I am trying really hard to be respectful to you. I have no idea who you are. I'm getting frustrated. 
I said, I need to be with my husband. I don't know what you're holding me back from. He's like, hold on, let me go get someone else. He leaves the room, comes back in with another lady, which I found out later was the coroner. She comes in, sits down, and she's asking me, has he had any history of heart disease? Has he used, um, has he used um, recreational drugs? Does he, I mean, she's just asking me all these questions, and I'm answering her, and I'm still looking at her going, lady, where is my husband, right. you know? And um, she goes, hold on a minute, and she leaves the room. And I'm like, all right, okay. We're, and I'm, I'm trying real hard not to get frustrated. So this gentleman walks in. He clearly works at the hospital. He's got a stethoscope around his neck, and another lady walked in behind him. Later found out he was the doctor that actually seen my husband when he came in. He came in, he sat down with me, and he said, your husband came in in cardiac distress. Um, we worked on him for over 52 minutes which I later found out is a very long time is a very long to work on someone when they are non-responsive. Um, we worked on him for 52 minutes and we were unable to revive him and he unfortunately didn't make it. And I just sat there and looked at him and we were sitting almost knee to knee, like we were sitting real close together. Mm-hmm. And I put my hand up in his face and he just kind of stopped talking. And I said, I need you to stop talking right now. I can't hear this right now. And he was like, okay. And he just kind of put his hands together and put him back down in his lap. And he's like, do you have any questions? And I just looked at him and I'm still like a deer in headlights. And I'm like, what do you mean? Do I have any questions? What do you, what am I supposed to ask you? I don't even know what I'm supposed to ask you. And he's like, well, the ER is really busy right now. And if you don't have any questions for me, I'm going to get back there. But if you have any questions, this is my nurse and she can answer them for you or I'll come back to you. But I need to get going. And I'm like, still just sitting there like, what? It's like he just walked in, dropped the mic, and walked out. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there going, what the heck? And then it starts kind of hitting me. And people start showing up. The first person that showed up, ironically, was my son. He walked in, and he just put his arm around me, and he said, I'm here, I got you. And I'm like, wow. Like, that meant the world to me, that he would, like, show up, and you know, after the bitterness and all the anger. And I actually had my daughter on the phone, on speakerphone. I had the phone laying on the table. And um, because the coroner had told me, she said, the ER is really busy. And if you're not going to go back and see him, then we need to go ahead and take him to the morgue because we need the room, which I thought was also very cold. (laughs) I was like, geez. So um, I called my daughter because she was on the way. She was two hours away from the hospital Mm -hmm. when this happened. So I called her and I said, are you wanting to see your dad? He didn't make it. And she is hyperventilating, crying uncontrollably, understandably. Absolutely. But she's like, what do you mean? And what happened and why? And she's just screaming in the phone. I've got it on speaker and it's just echoing. And um, I remember Austin had his arm around me. He was holding me and he picked up my phone and he was talking to his sister on the other. So he like was carrying the weight of mm-hmm. both of us, you know. But yeah, she was just like, what do you mean? And um, she said she didn't want to see him that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see him that way. And everyone else that showed up was just uh, his mom and his stepdad, my parents, and my son and his buddy. And then my son's wife were the only ones that showed up. And the coroner said, no one can see him unless you give the authority. I'm like, if anyone wants to see him, you guys have my permission. You guys are all here right now. Nobody wanted to, so nobody did. Because I asked if they could remove any like hoses or breathing or right. anything that didn't belong to his person off of him. So I could see him without that on there. But since they weren't positive of the cause of passing, 
he had to have an autopsy. The state stepped in and said, I, I had to do it because I tried to refuse it because I didn't want him going through that. Yeah. But they said they had to know the known cause. So they couldn't take anything off of him because they had to know that what their medical invention, intervention did not cause him to pass. So they had to leave everything on him. He left on a Thursday and they didn't do the autopsy till Monday. Wow. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture that in my, not picture that, but I know what you mean. Put that together in my head that Thursday to Monday. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've ever read an autopsy, but it's very raw and very real. I mean, they talked down to his fingernails, mm -hmm. the hair on his head. I mean, every little part of his body they talked about. So you read the autopsy report? I did. Um, he left on November 4th, and I got the autopsy back right before Christmas. Wow. And um, I did read it. But the first time I read it, it was so raw and real, mm -hmm. and it was so hard for me to understand. They take the organs out and weigh them. Mm -hmm. Like, each lung was weighed and different things, you know, his heart and this and that. So the weight of an organ... While you're awake, while you're alive, weighs different than when you're post mortem. So I had to research what is a normal weight of a post, you know, yeah, lung. What is that normal? What is that supposed to weigh? Versus because when blood dries or dissipates, it gets heavier. Hmm. So it weigh it makes it weigh more. Because it becomes more dense, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. It okay. just makes it way more. It takes the air out of the oxygen. And the weird thing is it's not like pounds. It's like, I don't know. How, I can't remember how they weighed it, but it was like weird numbers to me. And I was like, Elos it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was weird. Magic. Yeah, it was weird. Okay, so. <laughs> I know that's deep. How do you, no, it's, a lot. But it's, it's what we want. It's and, real. And, um, yeah, you've got the entire family there, you know, that that process going on at the hospital yep okay and and you're you're in decision maker mode you're mm -hmm. the decision maker yeah. for all of it, that everything is on my shoulders and i'm for 29 and a half years i didn't have to make any choices alone mm -hmm. i didn't have to decide anything alone down to paying the electric bill nothing was done alone um now all of a sudden it's like what do you want to do where do you want his body do you want to donate organs? I couldn't actually donate organs because he had been gone for too long, mm -hmm. but I, they wanted his corneas. Corneas are good for 48 hours after you pass. Did not know that. <laughs> Interesting. And that's what you... And that's what I do. What <laughs> optometry. Do. And in that process, you're, I, I hear you saying that they're asking you to make those decisions, what right. you want. But in the back of your head, is that what you're thinking? What do I want? Or is there... No, I was thinking, and I even said this, even at the funeral home, I am not the only person that lost him. He meant so much to so many people. I'm not the only one that lost him. So I was trying so hard to make decisions that I knew that he would want and that he would be okay with. And while also keeping in mind what his children would want, what his mother would want, what, you know what other people around him would want his friends. Like he had some childhood friends that were like Darren Kanzler and Jay Turney. And these mm -hmm. people, you know, these people showed up. I thought about what they would want or what they would feel because it wasn't just me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. I did know 
um, David wanted to be cremated because we talked about it a lot. Did he have a will? He did not have a will. Interesting uh, enough, huh? Uh, I want to know a little bit more about that. Okay, what do you want to know? Well, so the reason I ask is because I think people our age, mm-hmm. I think there's more people than not our age that don't have a will. Right. My dad had a will. I don't even have a will. And I've... Neither do what, I. What I went through, look, I don't even have a will. So Jennifer and I talked about this quite a bit. We want to be sure that we have our wishes. And the reason I asked that is because I know you're thinking about his his thoughts and what would what would David want? Right. You know, how would how how did he want this to play out? And and we don't spend a lot of time sitting around going, well, be sure that when this, you know what I mean? Well, the ironic blessing, and I say blessing because when I look back it is a blessing, but it's also hurtful when someone leaves, but his brother-in-law passed a year before David left. So we watched what they went through. Now his was more David's was sudden. Mm-hmm. His was he um, got cancer and it was a slow mm-hmm. process. They had time to react. Um, but the blessing in it is that they were able to speak about what they wanted, what they thought, how they felt, where he would love for this person to have this thing of mine or this or that, you know. So the blessing in it is that even though it's a very uncomfortable topic to think about losing your spouse or having to do it alone, you know, we were able to sit down and talk about it openly. You know, we honestly never thought it would really happen, sure. or at least I didn't think it would happen. But um, we were able to sit down and talk about it. It was an actually a topic that was set at our doorstep. You know, mm-hmm. look, this is something that could happen to you. What would you want? You know, and it, it is an uncomfortable conversation, but it is a necessary conversation so that when, if God forbid something happened to Jennifer, you would know what she would want, you know? So you guys had had that discussion, had some idea. Many times. Yeah. And here, and and in my head, I'm thinking as this doctor is talking to you, that's the last thing in your mind, Mm -hmm. but it's also there. Yeah. It's very real. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, before we started uh, recording, we talked about, um, just some of the the resources that are out there, and right? Obviously, and interestingly enough, you had a resource there before it happened. You know, with with your brother in law's passing, right? And seeing that process and, and and watching how that played out. Yeah, and that's why I say it's a blessing. I mean, obviously, it's painful when you lose someone, Absolutely. but it's a blessing. Even this podcast can be a blessing to someone. Yeah. You know, maybe it'll spark. Let's have that conversation. And David and I didn't talk about it for hours on end. We would just intermittently piece it in. Sure. You know, um, if something ever happens to me, make sure you ask my buddies how much my tools are worth if you ever want to sell them because I got some good (laughs) stuff in there. You know, I mean. So true. And it would just be little snippets, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't reluctant to hear it. I would say, okay, you know. Yeah. It's interesting. I was the executor of my dad's estate Mm -hmm. and going through that process, he had a will that was very specific um, as to what he wanted. And that's why I asked that question uh, because I don't have that, but I've shared that with Jennifer. Jennifer shared that with me, not down to the, not down to the tools or anything, but that's interesting. You know, I mean, that is something to think about because very easily you could just say, Hey, you know, I know this guy that's, you know, was a friend, blah, blah, blah. 
you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You still have no clues. Right. So, you know, making sure you check into those types of things. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, all right, so now um, he's gone and uh, you go through the... So some of the... Res- you want to know about the resources, absolutely. right? Okay. So um, for the first... Okay. A big resource that we had was our minister, Troy Kaufman. He's the lighthouse pastor. He's not my pastor. I actually go to Life Church in Bluffton, but the reason we chose Troy is because him and David were good friends. And I wanted someone that could speak and know David and give him a good service. So that was kind of my leaning in moment right there. Um, So I reached out to Troy, and Troy was like, I'd be honored to do it for him, you know, da-da-da-da-da. So... Troy um, came to our home. He walked through everything with us. What do you guys want to share? What do you not want to share? Planning a funeral is, um, it's really kind of like planning a wedding, weirdly enough, but you get to make it your own. Just because everyone in the past has done a bouquet toss doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. So a funeral is a lot like that. If you don't want any music played, you don't have to have any. If you want A choice that I made, I didn't put a flower spray on his casket. I put a blanket up there, and now I have that throw. Um, You get to make it your own. So, I mean, don't feel like you have to check mark the boxes, and this is what I have to do to make sure this is done, da-da-da-da-da. You know, I don't really care. Um, Honestly, in the end, it's really just honoring that person, you know. And so I think that was really my main goal. Um, another goal that I had was for our children to have a say in things, you know, um, they were adult children. It wasn't like they were young and they had no thoughts or choices or anything. They were adults and they had a relationship with their father and they had memories and things they wanted to share. So I made sure that they were equally heard, you know, um, my son helped me pick out the casket that we ended up renting because David was cremated. So I rented that and that was actually cheaper. Um, and then um, I had him pick out the the book that people sign. The funeral home has several on hand, and you get to pick your design. So we did that. Um, I had my daughter help me pick out the clothing that he was going to wear. Um, I don't know. It's just, so Troy was a good resource as far as kind of laying out the ceremony. Um, the funeral home was a great resource. They actually have... Um, when you get a death certificate, I think you get one, it's been a couple years, I'm a couple more, couple years removed. So mm-hmm. you get one, but then you have to purchase additional ones. Yep. Um, a lot of things that you do financially have to be done with an authentic certificate. You cannot give them a copy. So banking, um, uh, changing the titles on the cars, um, the deeds on the home, um, things like that. You have to have an authentic one. So I had to purchase extras and those were just $10, which isn't a lot, but the funeral home actually took care of that and just tacked it onto my bill. I mean, it is what it is, but they, they obtained those for me, gave them to me. We went down a checklist. There was a checklist that had, you know, does he have this? Does he have this? Does he have this? Do you need one of these? And then she would say, you know, usually you can use a copy for this one, but you need an authentic one for this one. So she kind of resourced me on that as far as the financial end of it. And then, um, when someone leaves, you get, if you have any life insurance, you have to, uh, you have to do an authentic one for that, which I had a small policy on David. 
through work, which was enough to take care of services and give me a small nest egg, you know, to kind of get myself going in the right direction. But um, that takes like six weeks to get to because you can't just, you have to, okay. So I mentioned that he passed on Thursday and he had the autopsy on Monday. Well, then it takes so long for them to read it. So I don't have a certificate until they're done with their findings and I can't get money without a certificate. So I had to wait on that. Then they have to process all that. So it takes, it's not just like, oh, they're gone and then you get your money. It's, it's a process. Right. So another resource that I had was my doctor. Um, I went to my medical doctor because I started, now this is really raw, but I started feeling kind of like, man, everybody's like angry at me. I, I, they might not have been, but that was my thought, you know, like you're not doing it right. You're not doing this. You're not doing that, you know? And I felt like everybody was angry at me. And I was like, man, if I would have been the one to leave, then he would have handled it so much better than me because I'm just not good at all this like pressure and confrontation and all this stuff. He was so much better at it. So I started feeling a little suicidal, which is really raw, but real. Um, so once I recognized I started feeling that way, I went to my medical doctor and I just went in and I, I, it was a blessing because I called her that morning and she got me in that afternoon and I don't know if she just had an opening or what, but right. I showed up that afternoon and told her and she was like, all right, so we're going to put you on some medication. I wasn't sleeping at night, so I was extremely tired. So imagine the mindset of like a new mom with a new baby and you're not getting any rest. So you're feeling overwhelmed, drained, tired, um, grief. I mean, just all these Alone. emotions were just hitting me. Oh, and by the way, I got COVID. So I was stuck in my bedroom, in my bedroom in a small space for a week during all this. Doing, uh So... Anyways, um, and then she actually gave me a resource that was ended up being one of the biggest game changers for me, and that was um, counseling. So apparently, hospice offers free counseling to anyone that's going through any kind of grief. It doesn't have to be cancer-related. And my counselor came to my home. She met with me the first time. We talked for a few hours, sat and had coffee. She left, and then my meetings from there on out were just phone call conversations. During our commutes, we would just sit and talk. <clears throat> you know, I've got this hour, do you got this hour? And we would just sit and talk. Or she would text me when I was having, like, a hard moment. She would walk me through it. So even if it's not cancer-related, you can get this counseling for free, hmm. which is huge. And that was set up through your... Through my family. medical doctor. Okay. Through IU... Um, uh, just the hospice center there. Okay. So with with all of that, were there some community resources you talked about, Pastor Troy? Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I've watched Troy in action. That that guy does a wonderful job. He does. Um, <clears throat> through the funeral home, I've experienced that as well. Where you know they're, uh, I thought they were. My experience uh, with my father was just an incredible amount of support and answering questions and just being available. Um, our, our funeral director was Jim Barry and he did a wonderful job for That's us. That's who we had. Um, and the reason I, another reason why I chose there is because Jim and David were on a bowling league together. Oh, interesting. And he always talked about how we'd want to be a couplinger. So yeah. it was a no brainer for me. The other thing I wanted to touch on with the whole counseling thing was you can seek out counseling and you can share your thoughts and emotions and all that stuff. 
and you can drop it at the doorstep and walk away. But what I did was I put my car in drive. She told me, read this book, journal this, write this letter, take your time. Da, 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 da. She gave me steps mm -hmm. and I did the steps. I didn't just hear her and walk away and say, well, I did my counseling for the day. Right. I'm done. Right. I actually put the rubber to the road. Like I put the work in. I put the work in because I feel like that I wasn't going to get anywhere if I didn't listen to her. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I think it's important how task oriented she was with that. Mm -hmm. uh, that that gave you a purpose. That gave you a mission. You know, in in a time where you had to feel hopeless. Yeah. One of the books that she told me I needed to read was um, I'm Not Ready to Say Goodbye. Mm -hmm. And I got that on Audible. And I still listen to that to this day. If I start feeling kind of in a rut, mm -hmm. I'll just start playing it. And it's got so much support in it. I'm like how to deal with family or friends or what to do for someone when they're going through this, you know? You also shared that your daughter had given you a book. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. got me a book um, off of Amazon surprisingly i didn't even know these kind of things existed but um it was called letters to my husband in heaven and it's basically it just um prompts you it gives you a sentence and then you journal in it that was a big thing that my counselor talked about was journaling like mm -hmm. getting those thoughts out of your mind because they just spin around and it's like you can't get it out so a big thing was journaling is that something you've done before um not really. No. You didn't even keep a diary as a kid or anything? Uh, I kind of did. Did you? Um, but I didn't, gosh, I would write in it like one week and then I wouldn't touch it again for yeah. two months, you know? <laughs> yep. It, I kind of did, but I, you know, it's whatever. If I would have had a diary like this, oh, I would have been all over it. But for me to sit down and write, it would oh be gosh. very difficult. But I appreciate that you you bought in to to your own self self mental health you know recovery there as well and and taking a making that a priority because that's what it is you know I, one one of the biggest things I've learned over the past few years is not that my priorities uh, or my time management became very good as as a principal and as an assistant principal and right being a husband and a father and you know everything that we had going on but that my priorities are what matter more right. than the time management because it, if, if your time is good you, you can manage all the time you want but if your priorities are off it doesn't matter we got to get our priorities right and, and i'm, I'm right. a big proponent of mental health uh and making that a priority in our lives and making it a priority to where it's normalized it's funny that you mentioned that because when i did finally go back to work i got two weeks off for bereavement but when i finally did go back to work i said i'm only going to work four days a week I need that mental downtime. I need to make that a priority. Mm -hmm. Now, I could be like I used to be and put my nose to the grind and work hard and have all this money. But you and I both know when you have more money, you spend more money. Mm -hmm. I can live on less <laughs> and be happier. Uh, I don't need to keep up with the Joneses. It is. It's so interesting. I was just talking to a friend the other night. and John stopped by and we were sitting out back. And I said, man, I was just thinking... Jennifer and I talk about we were we were happy at much less simple much simpler life than we have now. We were very happy there. Mm -hmm. um, 
At least I think we were. She'll let me know if, if we weren't. Or She'll let you know. That's but what uh, I used to say, too. I don't need political views. David has enough for both oh, of us. Yeah, because, that's boy, truth. he was a political person. Man, he was not afraid <laughs> to say what was on his mind. No. So how to cope. You know, there's through all this, you've, you've mentioned uh, some resources with, you know, what was made available to you, the help, you know, to, to process through I would think of it as almost the mechanics, but then you just started talking about the mental health piece of it and just right. getting your life back together. And I also struggled a little bit with, um, I remember talking to my counselor distinctively because I said, I don't want to turn into that needy friend. Like, oh gosh, there's Lisa. She's going to talk about her husband again and she's going to be sad yeah. and it's going to be depressing. And I didn't want to be that person. So I tried really hard to just like, put on this front that everything was okay, you know? And she said, listen, I want you to know that the people that are there for you, when you are feeling needy, those are your people. Mm -hmm. The people that back away from you, they aren't your people for right now, but they might come back around. Sure. They're just not able to give you what you need right now. Lean into the people that are able to and let them do it. Because if you could help someone out and you know, you're being a help to them, that's a blessing for you. So just mm. let it happen. It's interesting as we're sitting here, I'm just in my mind, I'm registering people our age that yeah. we know, mm -hmm. we went to school with that have experienced a loss like this, right? Um, that have experienced some sort of uh, loss of a spouse. And um, uh, it's more than we like to even, I think, realize. Right. It's, it's happening more. I feel like people our age are starting to lose their parents and well, that's sure. becoming so real to me because I, I'm blessed to have both my parents still. Yeah. It is a true blessing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm still, I have a grandma. Oh wow. Like that's a lot of people grandma. our age don't even have grandparents and that's weird <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You are blessed to have them both. And, and, uh, I, I won't say that I, I ever really took it for granted having both my parents, but I lost my mom uh, 18 years ago. Wow. Uh, my dad just three years ago. So um, my you were mentioning earlier how David always said, I'm going first, you know, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. My dad thought the same thing and then lived quite a life. After your mom after, left. After her passing. So I wanted to ask you about that as well because there is, there is a Lisa that was the individual before David. There's the Lisa that was an individual with, um, even though you're partnered, I, I still think about myself as uh, I am a partner, but I'm also an individual in, in this marriage that I'm in. So, but there's going to be a time where it's, it's either myself or her, you know, that, that may pass before one another. And, you know, I'm not going to speak into existence, any kind of crazy accident, <laughs> anything like that. But, in, in our minds, we realize that one of us is not going to be here one of these days. Right. And I want, I've, I've made it very clear to Jennifer, live, exactly. live your life. And, and knowing what David, David and I talked about too, uh, live, yeah. don't, he always told me, don't sit back and grieve me. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Go out there and live your life. And he, and I talked about that and I was always like, I told him, after you, I'll never remarry, like, you know, being <laughs> sassy. But obviously, I'm not a person that can stay alone because that's just not who I am. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. I, I, I'm going to speak as as a sibling, uh, not as a sibling, but as a son. I struggled with that with my dad. Yeah. I did. I struggled with it for a while. That um, that your dad could do life without mom? Yeah. And, and he was struggling, too. 
I mean, mm-hmm. they were married, you know, for uh, 45 years. And it, just think about the, the short time you got to share in, in David's life and he got to share in yours. But still, there's a lot of a lot of life there. Yeah. But there's still a lot of life left. And, you know, so my dad had another um, 17 years, 15, 15 years right. of life afterwards and good life quality being a human being that is contributing and I saw a different him mm-hmm. after my mom passed uh, but it took a while and me as a son I struggled with him um, finding his new self I don't know how else to put it because you wanted him to just be dad you wanted nothing to change <sighs> but the reality of the situation is is that everything in his life changed absolutely let me tell you from the way he did laundry, went to the grocery store, mm-hmm. paid the bills, slept in bed, everything in his life changed. Your life didn't change much because you just didn't have him or you didn't have mom at the holidays. Mm-hmm. But your daily life didn't change like his did. It's interesting and that to is that. huge. Because it took me realizing I saw my parents maybe twice a week, so a hundred times a year. Yeah. Not all day. Not every not day. all day and not all night. Every you didn't night. have dinner with them. You didn't do laundry with them. You didn't. I mean, who's going to mow the yard this week? Oh, it's me again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Surprise. Right. <laughs> Guess who? But I'm just saying, like, yeah. every single thing changed. Every single thing. God, I hope this didn't come out wrong. But <laughs> one of the things, you didn't have to argue about where you were going to eat. No. Uh, <laughs> I definitely got to do what I wanted. <laughs> I got to make my own. It was weird, too, because I always took his thoughts and feelings into consideration, much like you do your spouse. So when he was not there, I was like, wow, I don't really need to keep this extra whatever it is because he doesn't he's not here to enjoy it. So I can just get rid of it or I can eat it or Or I can do whatever I want. Yeah, watch the whole episode. I don't have to buy that anymore. You know, oddly enough, um, he loved Kit Kat ice cream and I bought him. Three big things of it before he left, and he had only ate half of one, and it that sat in my freezer forever before I finally just got rid of it. Yeah, I'm gonna say at some point, as as much as you want to enjoy it, I was just like, eh, it's not my thing, and <laughs> it's just taking up space. I just need to get it gone. Yeah, you know. So you're moving forward. Life is now giving you uh, more than a curveball. So it's weird, even thinking about like we're talking about like what it's life, what it's like after your spouse leaves, but it's really weird thinking about like dating afterwards mm. because um, I really felt like I was cheating on him mm-hmm. because I've always been, it's always been us, mm-hmm. you know? So to even think about talking to someone else, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so wrong. You know, it's mm-hmm. just weird. But like you said, there's so much life left to live and you know, I enjoy people. I enjoy being around people. I enjoy going and doing things and having someone to spend time with. So, and, yeah. And, and so much life left to live. Right. You know, my dad was 67 when, when we lost our mom. So, and, and he lived to 82. You're in your 40s. Mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> there's a lot of life. There's a lot of life. You're, the entirety of your adult life. It's is, just beginning. It is. It's and, just beginning. I continue to say that I'm in my prime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't feel like I am with my back being out. <laughs> I feel like I'm. Uh, I need a walker. <laughs> See, 
so you and and I want to touch on a wide range of things here. Sure. So, so not only is is your life moving forward, but your children is they right. move forward as well. Right. And and they're young people, mm-hmm. starting families, and um, th- the thought that um, there's not going to be grandpa. Right. You know, it's got to be looming. It does loom. It does for all for all of you. Um, how are they doing? Um, I don't want you to share anything you don't want to share. No, right? you're fine. You're fine. I mean, we're talking raw, real stuff here, so it is what it is. Um, my daughter and her dad were super close, mm-hmm. like best of friends. Um, she doesn't have any children yet, but I think they want to someday. I mean, sure. hopefully sooner than later, they are 28. So let's get the ball rolling, kids. Wink, wink. <laughs> but anyways, um, she struggled, I think, the hardest Um, but I think the hardest, I could be wrong, but only because she shares, she's more open and shares more with me. So I know more of what her feelings and emotions are. Um, they, I mean, they talked all the time. They were best of friends. Him not being around, I think it's going to weigh heavy on her. Um, but I also know that she's going to, she, she learned a lot of stuff from her dad. She learned how to garden. David was a big gardener. Um, she has a garden to this day mm-hmm. and does her green thumb stuff, you know? And so I think she'll be able to pass down some of the things that her dad has taught her. He's had her out in the garage. She knows how to run these power tools and all this stuff because she was out there with her dad in the sawdust. Yeah. I mean, they hung out and I think him not being around is going to be hard for her. But I also think that she's, she is got so much of her father in her that she's going to be able to share that with mm-hmm. her children. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, Austin, his wife was pregnant when David left and um, that was really hard. And um, I think they're doing okay right now. I don't really have much contact with them, but um, I think they're doing okay. You made a comment earlier about um, at the hospital, he put his arm around you and said, I Austin, got you. Yeah. And, and I thought, Man, that tells me so much about how much of his dad is within him. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a lot like his dad, too. <laughs> I, no doubt in my mind, uh, the imprint that, that, but that was so telling of how important um, his relationship with his dad mm-hmm. was for him and, and for you guys as right. a whole, as a, as a family unit, because you're still a family unit. And, um, right. And I didn't realize, I guess, how much weight that he felt in that moment. That's a big weight. Of the two girls, mm. you know, falling apart, and he's in the middle holding us together. So yeah. it yeah. was pretty huge. That's that's uh, that's a big thing. That, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, he was raised by a man. That's right. That's how I want to put it. <laughs> living life? Um, I'm living life, doing my thing. Um, I'm still working. Like I said, I went back part-time. I work Monday through Thursday. Um, nose to the grind, though, when it comes to work. I've been um, pushing myself to get more letters behind my name and f- as far as an optometry. Yeah. So getting more um, qualifications and more stuff, more education, I guess, just so that I can be a better advocate for the patients and for the doctors and stuff. In education, we call that working on the alphabet soup. Right. Yeah. And I also get more money in the paycheck. So yeah, there, there you go. You go. <laughs> But, um, no, yeah, um, weirdly enough, I'll go ahead and brief on how I met Ryan. Yeah. 
um, when I pulled up out here out front, my mom was delivering your mail. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my mom actually delivers Ryan's mail. Okay. He lives on the route, too. And he had just went through a breakup, I don't know, a few months. Um, David left in November, and I think his breakup was around December. So he was kind of in the rocks, too. And my mom knew him and knew what kind of person he was. He'd always come out and help move packages around. or I mean, he was always very helpful and very polite. Says, yes, ma'am, no, sir, kind of stuff. Just very raised by a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was like, I think you should meet him. And I'm like, I mean, I'll have coffee with him or something, but I don't, I mean, it's whatever. And um, we, I messaged him because his sister Renee was in our class. Mm-hmm. And uh, I messaged him. I'm like, I know this is really weird, but here I am. And I know that you're available. And um, if you want to talk, hit me up. If not, that's fine. No, it's fine, you know, because dating in your 40s, whoa. There's nothing, there is nothing about that that makes me go, oh, yeah. No, it's terrible. It is terrible. But I made myself a checklist and I stuck to it. I don't want anyone that has any addictions. I don't want anyone that has bad credit. I don't want anyone that's disrespectful to their mom. I don't want small children. Grandkids are okay. Yeah. But we aren't raising little kids. I'm past that. I'm good. I'm done. Um, I had a checklist, you yeah. know, and buddy, I made it. This is where I'm at. Anyways, um, Ryan messaged me back, and I met up with him that night, and we've been together ever since. That's awesome. That's that living your life. Yeah. You know? So, um, I, I firmly believe that the people we love and the people that love us, I want my wife's happiness. Yeah. I, I strive to make right. Jennifer's life right. better. And, and I know there are times and that's what when I do. That's I what I, I do. <laughs> right. You could always do better, right? But I've heard someone say, you know, wake up and say, how can I love you today? Yeah. How can I love you today? How can I make you feel loved? Because that's my ultimate goal. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. So um, finding your own identity. I wanted to ask you about mm. that again. What do you want to know? I mean, how I know it's all part of the grieving process yeah. and, and the, the recovery. There's a recovery in this. And, and I wanted an to touch thing. on the grieving process. Um, don't forget your question. Cause I'll okay. go back to it. But people always say there's like five steps to grieving. You know, there's anger, there's, sh- um, shock, there's depression, all these different things. Okay. And my therapist made it very known that just because you're, you've passed step one, now I'm out of shock. Yeah. Now I'm going into depression mm-hmm. and now I'm going it no it's not like that yeah because today I might be depressed but tomorrow I might be shocked and then I might be back to right you know it's not linear it's not yeah. you can't just check it off and be done with it yeah and it and it I call it ghost grief because it mm-hmm. sneaks up on me and don't even see it coming <laughs> sometimes uh, the other day I was at the doctor's office had to go in and get a checkup done and I'm just sitting out in the lobby just bawling. Yeah. And I can't really pinpoint why I'm crying, but I know it's because of the sadness. Sure. And the lady comes out and gets me and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I promise. Just take my weight. I got to go. <laughs> like, You know, it's awkward, but, you know, yeah. and I don't want to walk around with a big stamp on my forehead that says widow. Right. You know, but right. also it's the reality. But it's, it's part of your identity as well. Mm-hmm. Though. It is. You know, you, you've, you've gotten to live. I grew up with David. Yeah, absolutely. We grew up 100%. together. And now that I'm an adult, 
it's like, oh, I didn't really like that. I didn't really like that. So now I don't have to do that, you know? Right. Now I'm realizing what I truly do like and what I truly don't want. Right. Or yeah, what I do there, want. There are parts of that growth process where yeah. why in the heck, you know? Yeah. I, mean, any, I think any relationship has the ins and outs, the the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And, and there are parts where you can go, okay, I don't have to do that again. Right. You know? Right. It, it, was, it was part of our growth process, but it doesn't have to be our now. You know, and even, right. even in Jennifer and I's relationship we realized we don't have to do that again right you know i i'd said um quite a while ago um, before i before i made a decision to leave education and and get, get back into sales um i didn't even know the current job i'm doing now i didn't even know it existed so but before that it all happened i just looked at her one night and I said, we were in the hot tub and i said there's going to come a time when I'm, I'm ready to be scott again right and that Mr. Schick is going to be just a, a chapter right. uh, of, of who I am and what I've done. And not that I dislike any of that to the point of I will never do that again, but there are parts of it where um, I was ready to become me and, and identify as Scott. In fact, somebody yesterday called me Mr. Schick. I said, you can call me Scott now. Right. <laughs> or Adam's dad school? or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't, absolutely. or Jennifer's husband, you know, 100%. I'm, I'm Scott, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I want to, I think is so important for us to not get, not get lost in. You guys were married 29 years. Is that what you said? So we were married 24 and a half, okay. but we were together 29 and a half. You were a couple for 29 and a half. Mm-hmm. And that is more than half of your, right. your life. Mm-hmm. And you still have so much life left. Right. It's not a, uh, it, I want to, uh, to me, other people see it differently. Right. But boy, how, I think it's respectful to move on and find Lisa. I think it's respectful. Uh, one of his aunts shared with me once, she said, you love David and you honor him in your heart and no one else needs to see, 100%. no one else needs to see what you had with him, yep. you know? it's okay for you to move forward and be in love and flourish with what is here now mm. and honor that you honor David in your heart and in your private time. And then you honor Ryan now. And that's what I do. Yep. You know, I try to, you know, I can't imagine what he must feel like some days because there's things up in my house that say Felver and established yeah. 1997. And, you know, um, I just think, man, I don't want him to feel like he's second best or ever not good enough or, right. you know what I mean? Right. I can't imagine walking, being him, Yeah. walking into that. Have you guys had that conversation? We have, and he is good. so supportive and open and allows me to talk freely about my feelings and comforts me when I'm struggling and celebrates me with me when I have a victory. Um, I something I have really truly decided as the new Lisa, if you want to call it that <laughs> is, right. Is that if it doesn't bring me joy or happiness, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it in my life. David showed me that my days are numbered here today, gone tomorrow. And I'm not spending any time on anything that brings me mm-hmm. sadness Good for you. or depression or anything like that. Because I just want to, I want to be an uplifting person to people and I want to be, I want someone to look at me and say, that girl, she's, she's fun. She's fun to be around. She's, 
you know, she's uplifting. She's always positive. She's this, she's that. And it's not fake. It's genuinely who I want to be and who I want to perceive to other people. Yeah. Um, I don't want anyone to feel negative or sad because I am a widow. I mean, yes, it is hard. And I did struggle a lot with people staring at me because I feel like that's something I struggled with a lot at the funeral home because I felt like people that walked in, there was a lot of people in the funeral home, mm -hmm. but they all were staring at me. Mm -hmm. Maybe they weren't, but man, it sure felt like sure. it. It sure felt like it. Every time I'd look up or look around, I met a thousand eyes and it just, why is everybody staring at me? You know, like it's weird. I don't, I don't know. I just, do you think this is just me thinking aloud? Cause I, I <clears throat> sense that at my, my dad's, we didn't have a funeral. He didn't want a funeral, but we did have a, a celebration, uh, afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I felt eyes on me. Um, I felt judged. I did too. I felt judged by the way we, we did things. Um, but that's why I asked that question earlier. I had to honor his wishes, right? you know, but I also knew there was a part where there were others that, that needed something from him still. Right. And I wanted to honor that. And that's, that's how I felt too. Yeah. And, and no matter what you do, you're not going to please everyone right. in that moment. Even, even David couldn't have pleased it. Well, maybe he could have. I don't know. That guy's, <laughs> man. But I even went the extra mile, like, when we were going through photos. If I found a photo of him and someone else, yeah, his uncle, his friends, his yeah. this, his that, I brought them to the funeral home and put them in envelopes and yeah. wrote them a personal message. That's awesome. Good and then you. when they came to the casket, I had them stand there. I walked over, got the envelope, and brought it to them and gave it to them. Because I, I wanted them to know that they meant something to him. That's really cool. You know? That's something I would have never thought of. And I we took, yeah. like I shared with you, he does gardening. Yeah. We took his garden seeds that were left in the garage for next season's, yeah. you know. My daughter and I went to Hobby Lobby and we got the stuff and we made little packets and she hand drew a picture of his hat that he wore in the garden. Yeah. And um, we planted or we put little one of his baskets that he harvests his stuff out of his crop. Yeah. We put we filled it with those seeds and let people take seeds That's so they awesome. could, you know. You're so Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's what it is. <laughs> Me, it was like here. There's a there's a crate that we found in my dad's garage. Yeah. There's, there's the stuff. We didn't get the dust off of it or anything. But, right. Know. Well, I didn't knock the dirt <laughs> off of his boots out from the garage. You know, but Good for you. I just I wanted people to feel like they mattered and we appreciated them being there. No doubt they did. Right. There's no doubt in my mind they did. Right. So what's next? What's next in the Lisa. I don't know, man. Yeah. Just want to, I don't know. I want to be living life and I want to get to know my granddaughter better. And yeah, I want my daughter to have kids so I can get to know them <laughs> going down the road. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm open to, um, I'm back. I am, I am back open to marriage again. Wow. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Surprising. You're still doing <laughs> photography? I am, and I love it. Uh, I want to make sure I share that out. Yeah. How can people reach out to you? Um, I have a page on Facebook, Captured Moments by Lisa, or you can also reach out to me on my personal, message, on my personal page. Um, but yeah, I do weddings, seniors, families, newborns, maternity, yeah. you name it. I really am pretty open when it comes to the creative part of photography, but um, I don't really want to shoot anybody naked. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um no boudoir pics. I actually have done boudoir no, and I, I love it, that. but they're clothed yeah. tastefully. Yeah, it's been a more uh, that seems like something that's happening yeah. maybe more. I don't right. know. I don't I I can't see those, me in a boudoir pic. Right. Those shoots aren't shared, but yeah. That you know, I have done it and I do enjoy it because it is empowering, like I said, uplifting to people and making sure, them feel absolutely. good about being who they are. Yeah, everybody wants to feel beautiful. Right. I mean, right. We all do. And right. and I think a picture can capture that right. in a way that we don't see ourselves. Right. I've been know? doing it for 12 years. Wow. And I, yeah, and I love it. Man. I do. I love it. I know I see pictures of me that, that I take, and I'm like, oh, God, that's terrible. And every picture I take uh, of Jennifer, she, God, she, she's going like, to be so mad at me. But every picture I take, like, I take, like, 40 at this point. So you can get one good one? Hoping. But then she's like, It's all about angle the angles, Scott. I'm... <laughs> I'm not a professional photographer, so like asking me to take a picture of you to anyone, not just right. a, someone asking me to take a picture, it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Well, I'm not a mechanic, so don't ask me to change your See, oil. Right? I mean, so ask me to help your kid learn to read. I can do that. Right. You know, come sit in on a podcast. Right. I can do that. I right. know what I'm good at. Let's go for a ride, and right. I will push you past the 20-mile mark right. and make sure you finish. I can do that. But you want me to take a, a picture? Right. It's going to be bad. But I love it. I love it. Good for you. It's and so that's cool. why I'm glad you're, you're yeah. doing it because there are people like me that can't, and we need you. So they can get, get a hold of you there. Um, interestingly enough, I, I want to I add in that Lisa, it might be 3.0. Because there's Lisa before, there's Lisa during, <laughs> there's Lisa after, right? And, yeah. But uh, I think you're a resource. Mm -hmm. You're an incredible resource. I'm definitely and, uh, open to anybody that wants to have conversation about yeah. how to handle grief or what to do. Because unfortunately, that was a, a card that was played in my hand. And yeah. I felt very upside down, didn't know what to do, where to turn. So if someone has questions or they want to reach out, that's fine. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm of sure course. all my listeners appreciate you. And um, yeah, uh, anything you want to add before we come um, out? I don't know if you wanted, I kind of thought about sharing this or not, but at the end of his service, I played a clip of his voice. Oh, that's awesome. And it, and it was really cool. So I thought maybe I could share that with you guys. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting because I've talked, we, we were talking early on about how my kids will never know, like, they're not going to hear my dad's voice. They're not going right. to hear those things. So, right. yeah, absolutely. Let me pull it up here. That's really cool. And is this something <sighs> you just had or is so this like honestly, a voicemail? Or? Honestly, he and I, um, when we would be at home, you know, obviously we're empty nesting. Mm -hmm. So I would just pull my phone out and randomly just start interviewing him. Weird stuff. Like, <laughs> so awesome. I don't know. Uh, take a page out of my playbook and do it to your spouse. It's fun. Um, but I honestly, I don't know if you guys do Snapchat or not. I always did stuff where I made his face look funny. And oh, yeah. then I would interview him about stupid stuff. Like, what do you think about this? And he would just start talking, you know, David would oh, just he would sit and talk. And so let me see if I can find this here to share it with you guys. It's pretty cool. Um, Sorry for the dead silence yeah, here. That's okay. That, one thing I've learned in podcasting, it's, silence is, it, it's space. And I think it's important because it's real. 
Right. You know, when it's not like I'm out here talking like this and getting everybody excited right. about the next song coming up. All right, people, here we go. <laughs> that's not that's not what's happening here. And um, it's real life. It's two people talking. And I think there is a real craft to conversation. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be an immediate, you know, if, if you say something to me, I go, okay, well, thanks for sharing that. And next on our agenda today, <laughs> I want to make sure... You know, that's not what a conversation is. And I'm looking here still. It's, it's unfortunate. I, I was talking to someone um, a while back. Well, it was um, Hal Bowman. And we were talking about how he did an interview one time, a podcast with someone. Right. And there was, um, or it might have been something he was listening to. And something very real came about in that conversation. And the interview, uh, the interviewer just moved on. Like they were talking about something really heavy and they were like, Oh, thanks for sharing. Uh, so, and acted like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. How can you do that? Like, I want to know about, you know, are his boots still in the garage? They actually are. That's incredible. They actually are. I think I'm getting close here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have a lot of old memories in here. Well, it's like me, it's like being prepared. I'm always prepared. Uh, not me. <laughs> Never prepared. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. Here, hold on. So as we were talking and getting ready here today, I'm like taking notes and everything. And Lisa's sharing some stuff with me. And I said, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's, don't, don't tell me that. I want to know. It, save it, save it. Well, because what will happen is in our heads, we've already covered it. And oh, and then we can't talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's not as, as genuine as the conversation we just had. It, it can get lost in there. I just wanted you to know kind of what stuff I had available here. Man, you got some, <laughs> you've, you've lived through this. I'm trying to make him proud and make me proud. Absolutely. And, you know, so this is a 37 second clip here. We got it. And let me see if I got my volume turned up here. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's fun. That was it right there. That's it. Okay, yeah, here we go. It. You ready? But I knew I was coming home to you. And I know tomorrow will be different. Better. I believe in the Lord. Every day can't be a great day. But every day is a good day. As I move forward. There you go. So in that clip, I asked him, how was your day today? And that's what I got. <laughs> that sounds like a David. Right? It is a David response. But I mean, how true is that? You move forward. You move Every day is not going to be good. It's how, okay. You move forward. How long ago before he passed it? Um, I don't know. Just a few months. That's interesting. It's weird. And is that one of a few or is that one of oh, one? Oh, I have a lot. Yeah. Okay. I have a lot. And the fun thing is, like I shared with you, that my daughter was best friends with him. Um, the fun thing on that is that she has a lot. Yeah. So together we have many. That's awesome. Good for you guys. You know, yeah. many. Yeah. We um, just talking to a neighbor uh, yesterday. Uh, our neighbor across the street, his name was Bob. Bob passed not too long ago, and right. uh, his daughter was over there. They, uh, they're they're aged people, and um, moved the mother 
to closer to where the girls live. And right. They both live away from Hartford City, and and she was talking about how um, her son, for a Boy Scout uh, merit badge of some sort, um, had did an interview with her dad, and they had that recording. And I thought, how special is that? Right. You know, that's that's what I want to make that's sure. That's why I say I challenge you to do that. Like, yeah. interview your wife once yeah, in a while. That's... You know, interview your kids once in a while. Because, honestly, we just never know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have those moments and those memories and, you know. Yep. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Man, I appreciate you so much. Absolutely. I, I'm just going to say, uh, before we get off here, uh, I can't wait to see what you do with our next class reunion as you prepare and, <laughs> oh, and God. plan that. Um, so I'm going to grab some you. resources. You're not putting me at class president. Thank I you. didn't even run for anything. You, you don't have to. <laughs> you, you can just assume the, the the role. You know, it's part of Lisa 3.0. Why don't we put like some of the other people like Tristo or Jenny or even Blevins or jones somebody i mean there are other people that were class officers that aren't participating oh there you go now you that's what you should do there was a class president do you remember who uh, vice president i was gonna say that was you i was class president who was vice president probably jenny because you um, no was not her who was it craig brown Oh, hello, Craig. You should totally you do listen. it, Craig. Craig, you're a listener. You've told me you're a listener. You can totally uh, do it, Craig. I got your you. back. It's on you, brother. All the way from Arizona. Bring it. Come on. He's in Arizona. I can't give too many details. Man. But uh, that guy's living a life. Hey, Man. let's have our next class reunion in Arizona. I'm all for we'll it. We'll go to him. I'm all for That's it. Fine. Let's do it. I mean, why not? Yeah. We're all adults Trista now. Trista was a class officer. Trista can definitely step in. Yeah. And I feel like we should also pull in her daughter because her daughter is always there. I felt like it was Jill Schroyer. may have been the other. Little Jill. I haven't seen her for a while. She's, she's not too far away from us either. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all still fairly local. It's interesting Isn't how it? close we, we all And are. I feel like, I mean, I went to David's class reunions with him, and they were only a year hold of, mm-hmm. ahead of us. I DJ'd a couple of them. I know them. And they're, they're a closer group, but I feel like our class is just so close. Like, I feel like if someone in our class reached out to one of us, I feel like, you know how when you're in high school and it's real clicky, yep. oh, you're not cool, you're not, you know. But now I don't feel like it's that way. And I tell people that all the yep. time. I'm like, please come to the class oh, reunions. You will have the best time. It's so interesting to see who is hanging out with who and talking to who and catching up with who. I tell you what, we've I, had some great ones. I enjoyed I enjoyed our last class reunion uh, to be able to just sit back and watch. Right. And I did more sitting back and watching uh, last year than, than I have in the past. I, I really loved the one that we did at the casino. Yeah, I did too. That I thought it was fantastic. So fun. It was fantastic. So I loved it. Uh, they did a great job, and, and I can't wait to see what you and Jenny Walker, uh, Jenny Sison, and <laughs> Krista do, and Jody Halls, and whoever else was involved. I know there were more Heather Atkinson, uh, Overmeyer. I feel like uh, if Craig was the vice president, he needs to step up. Well, I would love to see that happen. I would too. Yep. I think well, he would do a great job. We are we're a little over an hour in. I appreciate you coming over. I'm gonna hey, no problem. I'm gonna hang up the headphones for the day, and I think we're gonna go down to Indy. And do awesome. Something. Who knows what? Do something fun. I don't know what we're doing. Can I see the kids? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, we see it's nice being back. Do you see see the kids a lot? A lot more often. That's awesome. We were living in in Madison. You guys are blessed with some great ones, too. Oh, God, those girls. They're pretty awesome. They are. They are amazing people. And I'm glad to see them. Have they got any prospects of men in their life? Um, uh, 
yeah, I, I don't I don't talk out of school. That's their story to tell. Right, right, right. Um, but I didn't know if you had any future son-in-laws, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, hopefully they find it, uh, someone who's kind and gentle. Right. And, um, and can love them like and, you. And, uh, I, I don't... Yeah, love them like they want to be loved. Right. You know? I, I want... I'm very... Um, they're their own person. Right. And... It's, um, my job is dad. So, uh, just whoever. Now, now whoever that they're adults, do you feel like you can be their friend or do you still feel I'll, like you got to be dad? dad? Really? I'll be their dad forever. Yeah. I want to okay. be their dad. I don't want, okay. I, I've talked about this before that, um, I want to be dad. Uh, okay. That's, that's, uh, that's something I wanted to be. I wanted to be a husband. I want to be a dad. I didn't care what I did outside of that right but those are two things i always wanted to be so uh, from a very young age uh, maybe that's why i've had so many different um you know career paths is because i don't care um what i have to do to provide it doesn't matter to me you know, right i was a repo guy for 10 years so you know i mean get a gun in your face once you think oh that's enough but no did you have your wallet on a chain no, no. <laughs> I didn't carry either. Everybody's like, oh, I would have carried. No, you wouldn't have. You, you don't want to be the second one right. to draw. Right. Like, I've watched enough Westerns to know that the second person who draws gets shot. Right. I didn't want to be that guy. And I'm not going to be the first one to draw. It's not like I'm going to come take your car and go, oh, I'm taking your car. You can't right. do that for one. It's illegal. Uh, but yeah. So, but that was a very interesting job. And I was in some pretty precarious situations multiple times. I can't imagine. Uh, and, and and I rarely share with it. So, but as an educator, uh, I got to live that life too. And I really enjoyed that. But I've always been a husband and a dad. Right. And I'll continue to be throughout my whole life. That's what I want to be. And hopefully one of these days will be a grandpa. Um, I'm hopeful for that. But that's up to my kids. That's right. You know? I, w I think it would be so much fun. Oh, the amount of candy that would flow. Not only that, but I don't have to, like, I don't have to deal with all the the disaster that happens after you no. go home. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just uh, got to show up and be the cheerleader. Right. That's it. Right? Yeah. No, I would love to have him here. Right. Just all the time. Like, I watch my brother-in-laws and uh, my brother and, and uh, both my brothers and, my, and my, my sister and see them as, as grandparents. And I'm like, man. That's pretty awesome. That's cool stuff uh, right there. If, if I am great, if I'm not great, I yeah. want my kids to have the best life right. that, that they choose to have. And um, that's it. I'm going to be, right. I'm going to be Scott. Yeah. And I think, I think our kids are pretty well-rounded. I think they're going to be good parents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Good stuff. Hey, everybody. We're out. We're out. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say it like me? Like, say, We're out. We're out. There it is. I, I might record that and put it in. Uh, well, I did record it. I might cut that and put it into my uh, <laughs> my outro music. <laughs>